What's going on, everyone? My name is Sergeant First Class Ellis Noto. Welcome back for another edition of the Lima Charlie Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Senior Kaiser, and today's very special guest. We have three of them. We have Chief Bush, Mass Sergeant Hinton, and then Chief... Well, I can't see from here. Ravide. Ravide. I was very <laughs> close uh, by blanking completely. Chief uh, Chief, and Mass Sergeant, thank you so much for joining us today on the Lima Charlie Podcast. I'll introduce yourself, please, your name so I can remember it, of course, uh, your AFSE, MOS, and then what do you do uh, here in the Guards? So I am uh, Chief Bush. I am the uh, Senior Enlisted Leader for the Joint Force Headquarters Air Staff. What's your What's your AFC? Uh, so my AFSC, AFSC. I used, uh, my prior uh, was a command and control. You can tell how much I know about the air guard. I'm learning so <laughs> much. Right? Command and control. What, what do you do as a command and control? So I worked in the uh, command post at the 122nd Fighter Wing prior to coming to Joint Force Headquarters. Oh, that's super cool. Master, I, I know your rank. Uh, we can do MOSs. I mean, what do you do here in the, in the Army Guard? Um, yes, I'm Master Hinton. I am the 38th Cab, the Combat Aviation Brigade, Senior HR NCO. Awesome. 42 Alpha then? Yes. How long yep. you been here in the uh, in the National Guard? Uh, I have 21 years total service, so a hot second. Chief Bush, <laughs> I didn't ask you how long you've been here in, in the Guard. 27 years. 27 years, okay. Uh, my 15 years is looking very slim right now. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Chief, over 20 years? Yes. Oh, yeah. excellent. <laughs> Between active duty and Guard, yeah, 24 years now. Wow. And then, uh, so I am with uh, Fort Wayne. I'm the 122nd Mission Support Group Senior Enlisted Leader. That's my AFSC as of now. Prior to that, I've been IG and then Aircraft Armament. Oh, wow. We have a really uh, an eclectic group today. And then you host the, was it the 122nd? Am I saying that right? The 122nd podcast? I do. Black Snake Bites. Oh, okay. Uh, direct competitors of the Lima Charlie podcast, but it's okay. No, no problem at all. <laughs> we need uh, to do a collab. We can do a collab. We're uh, doing one right now. Yes, it's so exciting. <laughs> um, what is your AF, AFSC, right? What does that stand for? AFSC, our... It's Air Force Specialty Code. Thank you. Air Force Specialty Code. <laughs> Currently right now, I'm a first sergeant of the 122nd Maintenance Squadron. So I get to take care of 250 of the best Indiana Guardsmen out there. How to throw out that shameless plug. Hua. I've been doing it um, for <laughs> two years now, and I've been in also for 21 years. That's awesome. Well, I will be uh, a kind co-host. Would you like to kick off the first question, Senior? I would. So, team, what is the Joint Enlisted Leadership Symposium, and what is the mission of it? So, the Joint Enlisted Leadership Symposium is we're bringing together the Army and the Air Force and the Air Force Reserve uh, to meet at Camp Atterbury the uh, last week of October. Uh, the mission of the Joint Enforce Leadership Symposium is to uh, help our airmen and soldiers understand the strategic and worldwide impact that uh, service members in Indiana have on the national defense strategy. Yeah, all those little pieces adding up to make that strategic view and that mindset come to life, right? Yeah. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. And, and Chief, you know, I spoke earlier because uh, I'm Still kind of Air Force dumb, right? And you said that a wing is a uh, brigade size element. Is that right? That would be probably be a comparable brigade. So this this symposium has grown to now three Air Force wings. Right now, we're obviously incorporating the the Army National Guard into that as well. Um, how do you see this training benefiting uh, both services, both elements of the National Guard? Yeah. So one of the ways um, I think it's going to benefit is um, just on a, on a lower level, uh, person to person level is 
both services are going to get a better understanding of how we operate because there's going to be an aspect of the, the symposium that's uh, focusing on professional development and career development. And so we're going to get to see how both services um, develop their people and uh, also get an idea of how uh, we can better work together by understanding one another um, is one of the underlying goals. Absolutely. Now, Matt, you said you've been there since June. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been working with the team since June. Similar thoughts on that as, as what Chief had said? Yeah, I think um, the huge benefit for the for the Army side of it is that they um, the air side is teaching things that the Army side doesn't necessarily touch on during our like PME training, right? So um, I don't think that in any of my leadership training I've ever been taught a class on emotional intelligence um, or really conflict resolution even. So in the Air Guard, they're, they're incorporating that into leadership training, which is incredibly important because – we know as leaders, we deal with conflict all the time. So um, having those skills and being taught those things at this level uh, is definitely important. So being formally taught them in a, in a strategic manner versus just maybe learning from a good leader that you might have had, but mm-hmm. actually making sure that everyone has the same baseline. Chief, similar thoughts? Similar thoughts, yes. So I, I've had the the distinct pleasure in the past to actually do some joint operations with our humanitarian mission, uh, especially during the pandemic. So during uh, ELS, we want to focus on that and give more exposure because we know we talk about the future. We're talking about near-peer adversaries. We're going to see more opportunity for uh, joint operations. So doing the exposure, something like ELS, allows us to kind of get uh, more acclimated with each other, understand, you know, the different acronyms, the jargon, things like that, because, you know, it's easier to do in that environment versus when we're, you know, downrange and dealing with, you know, the real-world operations. (laughs) You mean it's important to understand what a wing is and what different ranks are before uh, <laughs> stuff hits the fan? Yes. That's, uh, that's interesting. Mind-blowing. Who would you say is your target audience? Uh, so the target audience is going to be our E5s through E7s. Uh, those are our, um, our mid-level uh, management supervisor type. And those it's at that point in your career where you really need to start thinking about how not just you impact your unit at a local level, but how does your unit impact the strategic uh, objectives? Main E4 attend? Can you have someone who's in E? I don't know. What is the E4 uh, rank in the Air Force? That would be our uh, a senior airman. May a senior airman or a specialist attend this type of training? So, B4B, yeah. yeah it, we have allowed it in the past, and what we're looking for is those um, the E4s. Uh, those are folks that are about to promote. And those are our hard chargers. They're already showing some of those leadership skills that we want to start refining. So um, we will consider E4. Okay. Really cool. Do you have to attend all five days? Do you have to? Life happens. We're not immune to that, even at any rank and level. Do you have to attend all five days? Can you come and go as you please? What's that expectation? No, we expect the attendees to attend all five days. And the reason for that is because there's a capstone um, event um, at the end, where you're going to be uh, paired up with members from the other services, other wings, you're working in a team, and you're going to pick a topic that you're by, based upon the training and the the speakers that you um, take advantage of or see during that time training. Um, you're going to apply what you've learned to how to address that that incident or that topic, and how to recommend some solutions to our uh, our chiefs and our senior enlisted leaders at the end. You want to give anybody or allude to what that capstone is so they can uh, start working on it now? (laughs) Uh, In the past, it's been different topics. So each team is going to have a different topic they're addressing or they're uh, presenting solutions to. Not going to tell us the topics either, are you? (laughs) No. 
no, spoilers. insider information. No, I tried. Wow. I give one hand. Um, being somewhat familiar with our national defense strategy will help. But our topics we talk about throughout the week, the, the culmination is the capstone project, and we actually support that. So we talk about it at the beginning of the week. You know, we're going to challenge our folks. Um, you know, you're not going to sit from and stay with folks just from your unit. And that's both on the Army and Air. We want to look at the MOSs, the FSCs, cross-pollinate, and then throughout the week, um, uh, the senior leaders that are there are going to help build those capstone projects. And you keep mentioning capstone. This is, I guess you'd liken it to a college course, right? This is, uh, this is, say again? It's like a culminating event. Yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. like the end of your, your college degree. That, that's uh I like how you, you worded that. I imagine that I would need to be in some of a pay status to attend this. Is that right? Absolutely. It's it's unit-funded uh, training. So uh, anybody, anybody that wants to attend needs to talk with their supervision and, and uh, determine what pay status they're going to be in. Um, yeah, we don't want anybody coming and doing this training for free. Um, but that's, we, there are no f- outside funds being provided so members can attend. How, how often does this training happen? Is it once a year? Is it? So this would be the second annual one since uh, COVID. Okay. Um, it, we've provided this type of training or this type of training has been going on for over a decade. Um, but really, this is the second annual joint uh, training that we've done. So, Chief, are there, what is your, your average, you know, we mentioned, you know, three wings on the Army side now, but what is the average class size looking like? So we're trying, our target uh, number is 150, 150 service members. Okay. So there's still a chance if I apply to get in. <laughs> what, what, when is it? It's the last week of October, the 23rd to the 27th. Okay. Okay. Really cool. What does each day look like when you're going to be there? We can't go for free. We have to learn something <laughs> and uh, put into this capstone project with people we don't know. So what does each day look like? How are you um, doing those building blocks for that capstone project? Yeah. So the first day, um, you're going to get a late check-in and you're going to kind of get the the lay of the land, the safety brief, all the standard stuff, introductions, all that kind of stuff. You're also going to be introduced uh, the capstone topics that each team will be working on. We've broken up into teams that first day. Uh, the second day, then you're going to have your senior leaders uh, come in and uh, give you their their perspective on how we impact the national defense strategy. Um, then you're going to have some uh, retired uh, speakers come in. Uh, you're going to have an A- uh, A-10 pilot, prior uh, chief, come in and talk. Um, and a, a lot of your strategic type level leadership presentations that first day. Or the, I'm sorry, the second day. Then the third full day is going to be more of your career development, professional development type things like emotional intelligence that we were talking about. Um, even something as simple as um, how do I uh, plan out my career, um, what we call in the Air Force side a flight path, um, looking at your evaluations, things of that nature, what's changed in those areas. <clears throat> and then the third full day is going to be um, more of your wellness development. We're going to talk about conflict resolution. Uh, we're going to have uh, we're inviting the H2F to come and talk about fitness, and then actually plan to do a workout with all the attendees, and that's going to roll into kind of a social event with our Chief Burgerburn, and then we close out on the last day on Friday, where the teams are going to present their cap their recommendations for their capstone topic. Very cool. You had uh, first off uh, flight path. I love that term. We have. I wish we had something similar in the uh, the Army Guard. That'd be. Uh... <laughs> Pretty cool. I love how you put that. How you mentioned this has been going on for for ten years, um, Chief. How did you guys find out about this this program, this training? So it's been it's been the uh, two Air National Guard wings 
um, kind of started this training okay. about 10 years ago. And so we're just continuing on with that uh, legacy that's been established by previous chiefs um, to continue doing this training. Is this Indiana local? This is not a national, this is just for Indiana? Yeah, this is, our wow. training is just for Indiana members, service members. Do other states have something similar to this? I believe you know? so. But okay. Yeah. But Indiana is, is the number one. Excellent. <laughs> have, have any of you been through this training yourself? I have, yes. What yeah. was it like? Tell me, tell us more about what that experience was like. Um, it's definitely, uh, I would uh, equate it to some extent, like uh, information by a fire hose. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's a lot of information coming at you pretty quick, and um, but it's all good information, and it's definitely all applicable at some point in your career. So even though an attendee might not uh, see it as valuable at this point in their career, it's hopefully it's something they can put in their pocket and uh, pull out later in their life. You know, we in the in the Army Guard, of course, we have, you know, our, our NCOES, or, yeah, our NCO schools we have to go to. I'm not sure what the equivalent is for the, the Air Force. Um, but a lot of times, you know, we're going to these schools, we're, we're meeting leaders from other parts of the, the military all over. This is really cool that it's only Indiana, you know, leaders, right? So you're going to be networking and making those connections that you're going to be able to keep for the rest of your career. But that's that's so cool. I didn't know that it was just, uh, just Indiana-specific for that. Mm -hmm. That's uh, That's awesome. Chief, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned you got to have three different perspectives. What are those three so, you yeah, I, attended, right? I've attended as an attendee. Mm -hmm. um, the second time I was as a presenter, um, did it, worked with uh, the conflict resolution as a first sergeant, my role as a first sergeant, working with our uh, director of uh, psychological health, um, doing their presentations in the conflict resolution aspect. And then the most recent time was on, on staff last year. Cool. Chief Ravine, I'm... Remember you mentioning something too, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, my first experience was last year when I was the chair uh, for <laughs> ELS. Um, and it was part of it because of the challenge coming out of the pandemic. We were able to finally bring it back uh, here at the state. So um, I've always had a passion in mentoring and leadership development. So it kind of fell right in line with that. That's why I'm happy to continue it uh, into this year. Very cool. What um, what do you think the biggest challenges are to planning something like this? Like you got added to the team mm -hmm. in June. And then you were a chair thrown into the seat, and then now you're overseeing it. What are some of the challenges you guys are facing? So definitely some of the challenges have, has been bringing the units together, getting the points of contact uh, at the respective units. Um, like, for example, uh, having contacting us, Mass Sergeant Hinton um, was a huge help because initially we started this back in, what, November, right after the last one. We didn't have a, an Army contact. And so once we had that contact, that was – very important to help us develop um, what the Army content was going to be. Again, because the goal is to understand both services, and we can't do that without that their input. So, Right. Hmm. Uh, Master Sergeant, have you seen a lot of interest from Army side, or is it just what have you seen from your uh, your foxhole? So last year, I actually had two soldiers that went through the training, um, and some of the feedback that we got from them was that there does need to be more of like the Army translation, so to speak, of what the Air Force is teaching versus the Army. Um, so then that was one of the things that when when talking with Chief Bush that we definitely wanted to incorporate was um, making sure that we're translating. And so if they're doing career progression stuff, we also need to do that. It's good for them to, for the soldiers to hear that, but they also need to see that on the Army side, what that looks like for them and just translating some of that over to the Army. Are you guys looking to do breakout sessions? How are you, how are we going to um, utilize each of the unique times that we have to do things together, but then also specifically as each Army and Air needs? 
I think that's what the intent is, is mm -hmm. to do awesome. some of it together. That way we're learning both sides, but then also do breakouts so we can get more specific for the for the Army soldiers. That way they can, you know, get more out of that training. Gotcha. Okay. You know, a big thing with leadership um, is, of course, you know, also mentorship, right? Is there any type of mentorship program where you guys follow up with these uh, these leaders that have gone through the program, you know, a year, two years down the road? I know this is kind of new, right? Second year since COVID. Um, are you guys doing anything like that to kind of see how this is affecting their uh, flight path? <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll defer to Chief Ravid on that one. Yeah, so with the flight paths that we do at the guard wings, uh, we actually will track that as one of the items and so we look at uh, professional development. And so we do follow up. We also look for folks that have been through the training in the past to help put on the training in the future. To get that, that side of mentorship so they can keep mm -hmm. getting with the training or keep giving back through it. That's uh, That's pretty cool. If you need help, I think he just volunteered for you guys too to help with that follow follow up. Oops. <laughs> you can help on the army side. Yes, Oops. there you go. Very nice. Do you feel like this training can be used um, in addition to military life, personal or civilian parts of their life, or is this specific to military? So, you know, being a drill status guardsman since two thousand five. I've been able to take a lot of the training that I've gotten both from active duty and, you know, in the guard and take that back into the civilian side. You know, I happen to work in the utility industry and we talk about the, you know, the different threats that we deal with. And so we have our near peer threats we talk about today. Well, those are similar when you're providing infrastructure because we have to deal with cyber awareness and the, the, the different cyber attacks. So working in electric utility, that's a conversation that we have. On the civilian side, outside of the universities, there's not a lot of frontline leadership. And so we're able to, like the, those that have that, uh, have gone through similar training like myself, we, we have that frontline capability. We're able to, again, pay it forward and give some, like a needed skill that's just missing in the civilian sector. That's really cool. Master, thoughts on that? Um, I think it's important, yeah, on both the civilian and um, on the, like, on the active duty side. So I'm AGR, so the skills that, and if active duty soldiers attend, they're definitely going to be able to take this back with them and use that um, in leadership to their soldiers. They're going to know, you know, with a strategic mindset, they can, they can influence their soldiers with that. And then they can use the skills that they learn also to help their soldiers grow in their careers um, and resolve conflicts and, you know, just the stuff and learning how to do evals and learning what their career progression looks like. They can actually mentor, train, and work with their soldiers on that. Becoming that impactful leader. You, uh, Chief Bush, uh, you and I share a similar uh, or a same civilian career. Mm -hmm. uh, shocking that there's conflict resolution in law enforcement. How, <laughs> how have you found this training to, you know, impact you as a, a law enforcement officer here in the Great Hoosier State? Um, some of the training that I've received uh, from this symposium is um, having to deal with uh, individuals uh, suffering or having thoughts of suicide. And so that's one of the topics that we talk about in, um, and that we will talk about. We call it the resiliency tactical pause. And so we pr bring those topics to this uh, symposium to give our members um, those tools of how to, how to approach somebody that's contemplating suicide. And so that's definitely trans transitions to my civilian career because I will get calls um, to people's homes, places of business, um, out on the street somewhere where they're contemplating suicide and they're reaching out for help and have kind of having an idea of what they may be thinking, what they may be going through and what resources are available. Um, that training at the symposium is, is providing me that and I can, you know, share that with them. 
That's uh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad to see that we're able to to use these skills both on on the green side uh, as well as our, our civilian side. That's that's uh, that's awesome. Where do you see this symposium going in the future? So one of the things we hope to see um, move beyond is we have other uh, services here in Indiana that we aren't even um, cap, uh, haven't invited yet. I should say uh, you have the the naval uh, unit down at Crane, Indiana that we want to invite them to next year's uh, symposium. Also, we hope to maybe see if we can uh, strengthen our state partners uh, by bringing this uh, symposium to their country and develop their enlisted corps. That would be great. I'd be really interested to see, especially on the state partners, how uh, potential cultural differences as perspectives may shape that type of training. That's that's mm-hmm. awesome. Similar thoughts? Yes. Okay. <laughs> just Excellent. I mean, it's... You know, one of the things we've tried to do is as each year when we have bring the leadership team, you know, we do feedback throughout. Um, we take that feedback afterwards and we say, how do we improve upon, you know, last year's design? So, you know, we're talking about the, you know, like when I f- became the chair last year, it was just getting, you know, Grissom to join us. So the 434th up there uh, just north of Kokomo, um, you know, we, we had participation from them last year. Now we have increased participation this year. We had a little bit of Army last year. Now we're going to have more. So we want to keep expanding it. And then we want to look at the topics that we're providing because, for example, in the past, at least on the air side, we used to do four lenses training. And that's one where you understand like personality conflicts, things like that. But we've done that training so much that we're not getting the value add, which is where we started doing emotional intelligence because with the social media and our young soldiers and airmen, they, you know, they live on their phones. I mean, they're constantly staring at their phones. Shocking. I know. <laughs> so if we find, you know, better ways to communicate and educate around that, especially with those messages and the visibility and the vulnerability of those platforms, you know, that's just more information we get out. So each year, you know, we're looking for that feedback and our members are the ones that are telling us how we make it better uh, for the next year. That's great. Um, shaping the leadership of the future. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. Speaking of leadership and shaping leadership and what that looks like in the state of Indiana, including more and more of our counterparts, how can leaders better support this symposium? I, I would say just uh, see the value. And pay for it and yeah, send them. Yeah, pay, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's easy. Yep. And attend and then just word of mouth, you know, making sure that leaders are going and then sharing what they've learned with their, you know, fellow soldiers and airmen and then encouraging them to go to the next one leaders being uncomfortable as mm-hmm. well and then maybe leaving people alone that are attending yep that too. yeah that was uh definitely a lesson learned from last year's we had a few of our full-time uh, military folks that you know granted mission's going to dictate that but we do hope that our leaders when we we send those soldiers and the airmen to the training that they're allowed to focus on the training and have folks there back at their home station that can handle any of the the real-time stuff that's happening yeah, I agree. Well, it's no different than going to any other, you know, formal leadership training for the Department of the Army or the Department of the Air Force, right? I mean, if you're at BLC or, or SLC, you should be uh, focusing on that. I'm assuming this symposium, you know, identical, uh, even though it's, you know, hosted here in Indiana, take it seriously and allow that that soldier to get that leadership training. Uh, Master, you had mentioned, you know, uh, send them for that, send them to get more information. Since this is kind of new on the Army side, where can we find out more information as leaders so we can, you know, speak educatedly, is that right, in an educated <laughs> manner, to our soldiers, to our airmen about this? Sure. If they want to reach out to me, they're they're welcome to. I can, I'm acting as a liaison between the Army and the Air. 
Um, and then we'll have uh, an announcement that goes out in an all-user message, too, of, like, how they can sign up for the Leader Symposium, um, how they can attend. And it'll just have, like, some basic information on there. But um, for the most part, just reach, reaching out to us, and, and we can help share that information. Is there a, a cutoff for applications? I know you mentioned 150 people, but when is the application deadline? So the application deadline, we want all the names submitted uh, by the first two weeks of uh, September, early part of September. Okay. Where is this training being held at? Camp Atterbury. Okay, Camp Atterbury. Mm -hmm. um, so just staying down there for five days and, and learning uh, how to be a better leader. That's a thing to do. All expenses trip. Yep. <laughs> Paid for by your unit That's funding. Right. Right, right. <laughs> what would you say is your most memorable moment attending, being part of this project? or um, maybe even the outcome you're hoping happens? What do you think is the most memorable part so far? For me, it's just been being able to work with you guys, really. Yeah. I mean, like, it's cool to meet, um, like, my counterparts on the air side. So I've had minimal, very minimal exposure to that um, in the 21 years that I've been in. So it's just neat. I mean, I still struggle trying to figure out what your guys' rank is, right? <laughs> um, and then, like, the outcomes that I'm looking forward to seeing is just watching soldiers learn more about... Um, what it is they come to the, there to learn and then building those networks, building that that unity of our force. You know, I mean, we have so many people in the Air Guard and so many people in the Army Guard and we just we just don't we just don't meld the way that we should. And we're we're one team, one fight. Right. So we should be should be doing that. So I'm looking forward to seeing those networks being made. Yeah, one of my memorable moments is um, as I've started uh, bringing the people together uh, and planning this is just the willingness from everybody to want to pitch in in some way, shape, or form. I mean, even just, you know, scheduling catering for the food. Uh, yeah, you know, I'll do that, you know, or, you know, we want to be able to give the members something to remember by, so a coin to give them, you know, willingness to put that together. Just by, or just by giving us names of speakers that would be good speakers to come and do this, uh, provide training and, and uh, insight for us has, has been amazing acro across both services and all units, so. Yeah, very good. Yep. Chief? So I'll add uh, one of the things that was a it was a lot of fun last year was at the end of it we actually did a chiefs panel, so we had uh, the E nines that were there helping putting on came up front and we just took random questions from the the students, uh, a variety of different topics. Uh, obviously, some of it is going to be more PD centric, but it was just it, it was great to interact, and then just the, the fact that you know folks can attend you know can interact at that level because there is a stigma. I remember joining, when I joined the Air Force 24 years ago, I was not allowed to speak to a chief unless spoken to. <laughs> now that's changed on the Air Force side. We mm -hmm. want to be, definitely be approachable, especially senior enlisted leaders. But to be able to have that, you know, like they just say, whatever questions you have, you know, ask us. And then that way, you know, get the information that they need. They do ask the questions too. In my experience, when I ask someone a question, they'll they'll bring it. So get ready, right? As leaders, <laughs> yeah. and we should be ready. Yeah. I think them holding us accountable is very important as well. You know, senior asked uh, what your most memorable experience of this program has been, but what has been your most memorable experience here in the Indiana Guard? I'd say my most memorable experience uh, was my most recent deployment, because um, like I was saying, you. Going downrange, you deal with other services, and so I deployed as a first sergeant um, in support of a majority active duty uh, unit. Uh, but we were on the same base with Army units, and so I was helping them uh, with uh, legal type uh, needs that they had, um, and working with the uh, the active duty 
Air Force component, just learning what their mission set was and, and how they uh, how they do their their job. So it's just been pretty amazing. How they how they operate. Mm -hmm. Mass Sergeant, most memorable experience here in the in the guard. Oh, there's so many. Um, um, uh, state active duty doing the Operation Blizzard Blast was amazing. Um, you know, helping people that were stuck in a bad way, helping them, you know, find safe places. And then, you know, all through COVID, the pandemic, there's been just tons of, of things that we've been able to affect the community in. So just having that community outreach and making those connections there has been, has been great. Always ready, always there. Absolutely. That's us. Since <laughs> December 13th, 1636. No one's counting though. Chief. So similar, um, the, the humanitarian mission. Uh, you know, when you join the Guard, you talk about the, the fact that there is a deployment piece to it. So you may be going overseas. You know, my 24 years definitely have spent some time overseas. But being able to do something to help Hoosiers. And mm -hmm. during the 502F, I remember getting that phone call and it said, you know, hey, it's Army and Air both. You know, the first mission I was on was uh, helping out uh, the Indiana Department of Corrections. So we were actually, um, and that was just a small flight of airmen. We were um, in a hospital helping do unarmed security with inmates. But then that uh, progressed further to supporting food banks. So and that's where I started working with uh, soldiers as well, uh, doing that mission. We had a lot of fun doing that and then uh, did some work with the long-term care mission. And I, I just had a lot of fun in that. And it was the fact that being an Indiana Guardsman, a proud Hoosier, and I got to give back to the local community. And that just, it's, it's a forever going to be ingrained in my mind. So joining the National Guard allows you to serve here locally and affect, positively affect your local community. Absolutely. Sounds like a great uh, recruiting line right there. <laughs> you want to ask the last question? I'd love to. I, I, always, I always ask it. I want you to ask it today. Okay. What is one piece of advice you would give someone interested in joining the military? Um, from my point of view, the biggest piece of advice is realize that you may be joining or may be encouraged to join in one certain career field or one certain area, but realize that the Indiana Air National Guard offers such a wide variety of different opportunities. And you may get in as a uh, admin person, and that's not your interest, but that's where you go the first time. And then maybe you want to move into being a, a crew chief, or maybe you want to move into security forces. Um, and then there's even the possibility of, of cross training or moving to a different service uh, within your own state. So there's a lot of different opportunities. And that would be my, my one piece of advice is, is don't just get into it with a narrow mindset. Mm -hmm. Realize that there's so many opportunities. So get your foot in the door. Don't pigeonhole yourself. Right. Very cool. Mass Sergeant? Um, same, same. I would say um, just doing the research before you join to make sure that you're joining the one that you want. Um, but then, you know, if you get into it and maybe you see something that's different or better or whatever on the in a different branch you can do a conditional release to to transfer it and like chief was saying um there's so many different mos's in the army so you know i think i have four at this point now so you join with one thinking that this is what i'm going to want to do for my career and then you get the opportunities because mission dictates or you know missions come up where you know hey i want to go be a crane operator so and then you go to you know, Virginia, and you operate a crane for a while, and you learn how to do that. So, and there's just many different opportunities to learn stuff that that can also help you on the civilian side. So, like all the cyber stuff, come to the Army or the Air, learn the cyber stuff, but also use that on the civilian side. Absolutely, absolutely, Chief. So, a lot of great things discussed around that. It's a wonderful question. The only thing I can think of to add on is to know your benefits early. You know, I feel very blessed in my career. 
and the, the fact that, you know, one, my education was paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got education benefits for my children. Um, the, just the things that I've been able to garner, like the skills, things like that, the benefits that are available once I retire, there's not a lot of civilian uh, employers that are doing that. Not, not to the level nope. with, you know, now we have the high three pension, or, or I'm sorry, the BRS, mm-hmm. uh, yep. the blended retirement system versus, you know, the, the high three was the higher or prior one. So there's still a ton of benefits out there, a lot of great information and know them early. And, uh, I would say exploit them early. I know that sounds mm-hmm. kind of it's a weird word to yeah. say, but you know those benefits. The, this is a higher calling, and this is not an easy job, regardless what branch you're serving in. The job is not easy. There's going to be a lot asked of you. Deployments are not easy, but there's benefits that are available to you because of this job and because of the fact that we are an all volunteer force. And you know this that does mean that we, at a moment's notice, could be helping out the state, could be helping out overseas, and those benefits those those are your benefits. You've earned those benefits, so use them. Yep, I agree. Benefits for you and your family. Yes. Yep. If I could um, tack on to that. Um, you were talking about um, the the many benefits and exploiting them. Uh, the relationships and the experiences that you're going to have, even though it is a demanding, uh, a lot is asked of you as a, as a military member, um, I think it's probably one of the most rewarding uh, careers to have. And I say career, don't, you know, definitely join for the benefits. You know, if you want to join just short term, great. But hopefully you, t- you take a real long look mm-hmm. at it and realize that you want to make a career out of this. And you can do it as a, as a just a regular weekend warrior, as we used to call them. So 39 days a year for a lifetime of benefits. Mm-hmm. Would you concur with that statement? Absolutely. Yes. yes. That's excellent. Anything to add at all? This has been great. I love this. No, awesome. Well, <laughs> Master Chief, Chief, Senior. I'm learning. (laughs) Thank you all so much for coming on the Lima Charlie podcast. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe. Have a great guard day. Bye now.